Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. Anyway, good morning to y'all. We are in Advent. Uh, we are, we're calling this series Simply Christmas, but it's really our version of Advent, preparing our hearts for Christmas. Before we dive into that, though, a couple of things I want to mention to you. I wanted to acknowledge kind of a, a transition in our worship leadership. We've been in a season, quite a long season, of being on a worship pastor search. Uh, we have been searching all over the place, uh, this country, other countries, all over the place for the right worship pastor for GBC. So in the meantime, while we've been in Advent, uh, if you will, um, we've had interims. Um, Phil, who was an intern for a while, was our interim worship leader for a while. And then Jason now has stepped in and he, he is serving as our interim worship leader for a while. Thank you, by the way, worship team for leading us in worship this morning. Um, and so uh, Jason is serving this season as our interim. We have, we have kind of relaunched our search uh, with more of a digital footprint um, to try to uh, engage kind of the right audience that we are looking for when it comes to a possible uh, worship pastor. But I wanted to kind of let you know who Jason is a little bit, who stepped in to serve in this next season of interim. He and his family moved here not too long ago. It was about a year ago, I guess. Huh? January. Yeah, sorry, man. I'm getting old. Can't... can't. This is my bad side, my bad ear. Um, they've been here, yeah, coming up on about a year, and God brought their family here uh, to be amongst the leadership out at Camp Sparta. That's why I'm rocking my Camp Sparta threads today. Um, and so that is what God has called them to. That is what they are invested in. Um, but in this season, they, he's been uh, gracious enough to step in and serve us in this interim role. Um, but his, uh, his, this is a picture of his beautiful family, by the way, beautiful wife, Sarah, um, they, they are, most of them are at home today. Reason being is Sarah just gave birth to kid number four and they haven't had an updated family photo yet. Yeah. That was, uh, that was Monday. And I just told him, I said, you should probably take, you know, the weekend off. Like your wife just gave birth to a baby on Monday. He's like, no, 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 I'm there. I'm there. We got the in-laws in town, you know, the whole nine. So this is Nico Alejandro. Hernandez. There we go. There he is, folks. Brand new baby. That's Jason's little baby number four. Uh, we're excited about that. Mama's good. Baby's good. Family's good. I'm sure your house is a madhouse right now with everybody there at one time. But thank you, man, for stepping in and serving us. Um, congratulations on the beautiful baby. And his family's wonderful. I hope y'all get a chance to get to know them. They've been serving here throughout this last year, just volunteering. Um, and, um, but I, I did want you guys to know, since I said, well, we're on a worship pastor search, well, what is exactly that we're looking for? Um, instead of me trying to explain that to you on the landing page, so we did like a, a landing page on our website for anybody that clicks the link on Indeed or all the job search engines, Monster or wherever else we stuck it. Um, and it takes them to our website, and the first thing that they see when they get to the landing page for our worship pastor is me kind of vision casting for what we expect and what we're praying for as a worship pastor, or for as it pertains to a worship pastor here at GBC. So I figured I'll just show you all that video. So divert your attention to the screen, and here we go. Hey, I'm Dustin, one of the pastors here at Grace Bible Church in Sebring, Florida. 
Here at Grace, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and one another. And we believe that when Jesus told his apostles that he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not stand against it, that he wasn't talking about a bunch of church buildings on every street corner competing against each other for market share. No, he was talking about an ecclesia, a missional movement that is fueled by the Holy Spirit, centered around the good news gospel of Jesus Christ, and comprised of people who are learning together to yield all the stuff of life to Jesus and committed to learning to speak the gospel into the everyday stuff of life. All of this so that the knowledge of the glory of God would saturate the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. To partner with us in this mission, we've been prayerfully in search of a worship pastor who shares that same DNA. We expect that our next worship pastor will of course be excellent in the craft of musical worship leading as well as staying connected to the latest trends in contemporary music, but yet not neglecting the importance of doctrinal richness in the songs that we sing. We need a worship pastor who's a catalyst leader and who has the capacity to develop multiple teams of people who are growing in their relationship with Jesus as well as their musical craft. This pastor will oversee and develop said teams for our multi-service weekend experience as well as our elementary through college age ministries. Now while functionally all of this is gonna be an important part of the role, what the church community really needs most is someone with a vision for worship that goes far beyond the Sunday morning stage and into the everyday ordinary things of life. To be clear, I'm talking about someone who can lead excellent corporate worship experiences through music that are engaging and Christ-centered but can also lead worship one-on-one with an open Bible and without even playing or singing a note. So I guess what we're really saying is we're not looking for a worship pastor at all, but rather we're looking for a discipleship pastor of worship, one that will join our team of elders as we prayerfully consider the next steps of real gospel saturation throughout this area while using the vehicles of planning missional communities in every neighborhood and eventually churches throughout the region. Now, if this is the call that God has placed on your life, we'd love to talk to you. Should, you should be able to find all the necessary information to begin the process right here on this page. Now, God bless you as you work to continue to make famous in the name of Jesus, our King. Well, and there you have it, okay? Uh, so yeah, those of you that just saw that, um, and those of you watching online, if you have somebody in mind um, that you feel like would fit that criteria that would serve our church family well, by all means, tell them, to get onto our website and apply uh, for sure. And, um, and I, think we've had, I think we've had like 25 applicants already since we relaunched this a little over a week ago. Um, and among those, we have some that have obviously kind of risen to the top uh, from around the country. And so our elders will be actually reviewing some of those this afternoon. So we're, just, we're in the process to keep praying about it, continue to celebrate and champion our worship team as they serve you guys week after week. And as they are obviously in in transition as well, but thank you, Jason, for your leadership in this season, man, and you, you, are, a, you are a fine man, you are a great leader, dude, and I'm thankful for, for you and your family uh, coming to serve our church family in a time where God called you here to run a camp, and so it's a, it's a blessing, man, to get to know you guys, and congrats on baby Nico Alejandro. How you like that tongue roll? Not too bad for a white boy, huh? Not too bad. Hey, if you got your Bible in Luke chapter 1, this is, uh, we're calling this season, uh, this ser- series simply Christmas, but this is really kind of us working towards just slowing ourselves down 
and focus in on the things of Jesus as we are in a season that is meant to celebrate him. But let's be honest, like we live in a time and a day and age where like Jesus is kind of the side dish of Christmas in our culture. Jesus is kind of the afterthought, the aftermath. You, you might slide into a Christmas Eve service or you might watch something online, that you know, uh, a movie or something that like speaks of Jesus briefly. But all too often, let's be honest, like in our culture, this day and age, like Christmas is shrouded by everything but what it was meant to be. It's shrouded with all of our idols, honestly. Um, and if you haven't noticed, like, I mean, just, just look at your kids, like it. When we treat Christmas with an Americanized lens of it being about materialism, like it always will leave us wanting more. Just look at your kids. Some of y'all are going to get them the junk that they want. They're going to open it up. They're going to be excited. And then it's going to go into the same pile as last year's junk that they don't want anymore. Man, is it not human nature? Is it not our way? And I tell you, we as adults, man, we need, to, we need to get back to the word of God and be reminded of like, let's simplify Christmas. Let's get it back to what it was meant to be. Sure, gift giving is a beautiful expression of our love towards one another. Certainly nothing wrong with that at all. But the bottom line is the greatest gift of all was given. And it's, and it's one that like gets overlooked in the time and the seasons that we were meant to celebrate it. And that's why we as a church, we're doing this very like old school traditional thing called Advent. Now I know some of y'all grew up in churches that did Advent really well. Um, uh, and this is kind of our best version of it uh, here at GBC. This is kind of new to me and I know it's new to some of y'all. But uh, Advent is a time where we are meant to like slow our heads and hearts down to refocus our, our heart's affection and our mind's attention back on King Jesus as we wait for that day, that Christmas day to come, the day that we celebrate that our Savior has come. And we're blessed. Like I mentioned it to you last week. I say it year after year. Like we are among the blessed generations because we, get to, we were born and we live at a time in history that is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. How blessed are we? We are not amongst the people of God of the old days where we had to wait and long and hope that God was going to step in and send his Messiah to provide a way back to him, to right our wrongs, to pay for our sins, to make us right with God. Like we are among the generation that we get to look back over our shoulder and celebrate that Jesus came and did that. That truly in believing in the words and work of Jesus, like truly believing in it, surrendering our lives to it, that our sins are forgiven and we are made right with God once and for all, for all time. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given. And so the advent for the arrival of the Messiah is over for us. We get to look back over our shoulder and host parties and celebrate the coming of Jesus. But let's be honest, like we're still in advent too because Jesus didn't just come once. He told us that he would be back again. As a matter of fact, he told us in John 14, towards the end of his ministry, he told his disciples, I, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when I've prepared a place for you and the Father gives me the go-ahead, I'm going to come back to get you so that you can be with me where I am. And so we too are in Advent waiting and longing for the day that Jesus shows back up to get his bride, the church, and take us home. And man, I can't wait. I can't wait. This time of Advent has meant that we, even as 21st century American Christians, would live in light of the return of Jesus. That even this Christmas season would remind us that our Savior always keeps his promises, even though they oftentimes come packaged differently than we expected. And that he promised all throughout the generation, he has promised many things, and he has delivered on all the goods, and he has promised that he's coming back, so we can bank on that one. 
He's coming back for us. So the weariness of this world can rejoice. So the hardship of the life that you're experiencing, the tough stuff that you've experienced this last year and throughout your journey of life, like you don't have to be defined by those things. You are not who you were on your worst day. You are not your most egregious sin. You are not your biggest failure and you are not your greatest success. Because if you are in Christ, you can live in light of the fact that you are a kingdom citizen that has been appointed and chosen by God, that has been redeemed and made right with him, that has been invited into his forever family, and you've been now commissioned as a part of the family business to go and be missionaries to the world. You are totally different now that you are in Christ Jesus. The very DNA of who you are is completely different. Christmas is the reminder of that for us. And that's why we slow down and we just spend some time in Advent being reminded of the longing and the waiting. And I bet you, I'm going to just take a wild guess, that while we are in Advent season, I bet some of you are personally in your life in Advent. Now that word Advent is an old Latin word that means coming or arrival. And quite honestly, it's like, it's, it's like coupled with an emotion, the emotion of longing. So Advent is like longing for the coming or the arrival of something or somebody. And I bet you, I bet you that even in this Advent season that many of us are in Advent in some way in our life because you are just longing that God would step in and act in your story. You're still waiting on the directions. You're still waiting on some encouragement, some comfort, some help. You're still not sure what to do. You're still begging God to step in and perform a miracle in this specific situation. I bet there are many people, including this dude, that are in Advent this morning, even in this Advent season as we wait for God. And so us talking about these things and reminding one another of the words and work of Jesus and how we can rest our hope and our joy and our peace and our love in him, knowing that there is a greater thing that he is up to. There's a greater work that he has and will continue to accomplish. This is a great reminder for us in this season to keep tethering ourselves to that. And so, by the way, this first candle that we lit last week is a candle that represents hope, that our hope can be rested in him that our hope needs to be rested in him. And when we hope in anything lesser, anything that death can take from us, if we place our hope in that stuff, we'll never fail to be disappointed. Because you were created for something else. You were created for something greater. It's the loving kindness of God to knock out all the props that you lean yourself up against in life and put your hope in. It's a loving kindness to God so that hopefully one day there is no other prop to hold you up and it caused you to drop to your knees and call out to him and place your hope in him. That would be so worth it. The journey's tough. It's costly, but it's worth it because, by the way, this thing called life is temporary, man. James says this is just a, this is just a, 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 a vapor. It's here one second and it's gone the next. But you were created as an eternal being, and you have been invited into this eternal relationship with Jesus, and that your hope would be in a greater kingdom with a greater king, and that the best is still yet to come. Now this week, week two, Jason, you said week three, you was wrong. This week represents joy. Joy. Woo, man, how many of y'all can use some joy in your life right now? Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something, man. The joy that the Lord offers is nothing that the world can give you. 
And let me make a quick distinction for you. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Here's how I remember it. Happiness is based on happenings. Your happiness will always ride the roller coaster of what's going on around you. But there is such a thing as a joy of the Lord that can be your strength, that comes from within, that comes from the spirit of the living God that is within you. You can't conjure it up. You can't produce it. But it is a sustainable, immovable, resilient joy that comes from the Lord and your relationship in the Lord. That way, no matter whether you are happy or not, based on what's going on around you, you can still have the steadfast joy of the Lord in your heart. This Advent season reminds us where that joy comes from. And quite honestly, the first time we learned about this joy was when the messenger of God, an angel, showed up to declare the joy of the good news that Jesus was coming. And quite honestly, the, the, the place in Scripture that gets the most love when it comes to the messenger angel declaring the good news of great joy that is to be for all people, like the, first, the, the place that gets most of the love in Scripture around Christmas time is that section where an angel appeared, the shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, they were so afraid. And he gave to them, he said, fear not, but I bring you good news of great joy that is meant for all people. Like, that's a great moment in the story of Jesus where we are reminded of the joy that comes from the Lord. But that's not the first place where the message of joy was declared by a messenger of God, an angel. It was actually the chapter before. And it wasn't the shepherds abiding in the field. It was to a young lady named who? Mary. She was the first one that heard the good news. Let's go look at her story and see what we can learn about the joy of the Lord and how it applies to your life and how you can get there like she did. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26 is what I'm going to read to you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, say Gabriel. Gabriel is uh, the angel that's known for playing the trumpet. I don't think he's in a jazz band, but we're pretty sure that he's going to be the one blowing the trumpet, at least one of them. When Jesus breaks open the sky to come back to get his bride, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Say Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Real quick, commercial break. Mary was a virgin betrothed. In other words, she was engaged to be married. And just for those of y'all that aren't married yet and you're thinking you want to get married, I want you to learn a little something from Mary real quick that has nothing to do with Advent or joy. Um, but it just has to do with Mary. She was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. She was engaged um, to this boy named Joseph that she really loved and she never met a guy like him before. And he was like the cutest and the sweetest and you know what I'm saying, like all the good stuff. That's who Joseph was to her and she told all her friends and they passed notes back and forth and she was crazy about him and she's going to give her whole life to him and they're going to be lovey-dovey all the days of their life. But I want you to notice that even though they were engaged, she was still a virgin. So in other words, they weren't living together and they wasn't doing the bound chicken wow wow neither. You see, they were committed. I know this is weird. Okay, I know this is weird, but they were actually committed to God's timing in their relationship. So God actually had to speak to them separately because they weren't sleeping in the same bed. Okay, meddling over. I hope y'all caught the commercial break. Now back to the story. 
The angel spoke to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Joseph, by the way, was of the house of David. In other words, Joseph was a part of the family line of David. Uh, King David, that is. Way, way, way past. He was his great, 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 great grandson. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her. Gabriel came to her and said, this is what he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That'd be cool to hear that from an angel. But this is how Mary responded. She was greatly troubled at the saying and even tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, tell me some more. Like, is this a loaded thing? Like, what's going on? And the angel said to her, as angels always say when they're delivering messages, I'll explain why in a second, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, y'all say it, Jesus. And he will be great. Yes, he will. And he will be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will be unstoppable, undefeated. Nothing can take him off of the throne. He will be a once and for all eternal king. And Mary said to the angel, well, how could this possibly be? Because I am a, yeah, me and Joseph, we don't sleep together. How could I be pregnant? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high God will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, your aunt, who's much older in age, has also conceived a son. That would be John the Baptist. You can read more about that in chapter one. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, pay close attention, underline this, highlight this. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord, Mary says. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Pretty sweet part of the story, isn't it? I mean, Mary just got some seriously interesting and very good news, I would think, at least looking in. We definitely make it look like that in our Christmas movies. This is pretty awesome. I mean, young lady gets picked out of the crowd. I mean, of all the women on earth to be chosen to be the mother of God's literal son, it's Mary. Something unique and special about this young lady, obviously, that God would have picked her out of the crowd and, and said, you're going to have a baby, but it's not going to come through natural conception because God doesn't even need to do that. He is outside of our natural stuff. He's bigger than science. He can do it however he wants to do it. And God's going to actually place his son inside of you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And by the way, that son, Mary, is going to be the great king of all kings that will never be dethroned, never be defeated. He will be unstoppable, untoppable, and his name will be Jesus. Oh, and by the way, here's a little icing on your cake. Um, your aunt who has struggled with infertility her entire life and has never had a child. Yeah, she's pregnant too. Isn't that cool? Lots of good news. When we look at it from the surface, but if we take a closer look at what's really going on, man, I can't imagine what it must have been like to have been Mary in that moment. I can't imagine the overwhelming emotion, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the concern, the questions. I mean, I can only imagine what it must have been like to hear from an angel 
Well, let's just talk about an angel for a second. Angel shows up, and we, we got this idea in our culture. Like, oh, that'd, that'd be pretty cool if an angel showed up and talked to me. But, like, we don't really think about the idea of biblical angels and how the angels are messengers of God and how much power and authority and majesty they carry with them. That it's ter- Every time an angel shows up with a message, he always has to say, don't be afraid. You know why? Because every time an angel shows up, the people are afraid. I'll give an example. All throughout throughout the Bible, here's just a handful of times an angel shows up to do some work. An angel showed up in Daniel, and he was clothed in white. Here's what he looks like. He was clothed in white with a gold belt on. So far, so good. But his face was like lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs were like burnished bronze. And the sound of his words was like a multitude. An angel. Not unlike the angel that showed up in the days of Samuel, that was carrying out the will of God, enacting judgment on people, and that angel killed 70,000 people, 70,000 warrior men, and one day, by himself, an angel, since the gravity, the power, These are the messengers of God carrying out the bidding of God. Very powerful. Not unlike the angel that was at Jesus' tomb. Remember that guy? It took multiple men to roll the stone in front of the tomb. It took just one angel to roll it away. And by the way, we're told when Jesus was placed into the tomb and the stone was rolled over to cover it and sealed up, like concreted up, so nobody could ever get in, Rome was also still nervous that by some miracle, the disciples might be able to slide in and steal the body of Jesus. So they placed what is called a Roman guard outside of the tomb. By the way, a Roman guard is a plural term. We're talking anywhere from 26 to 30 of the special ops Roman elite forces were placed outside the tomb. This is a ton of Rome was the baddest army on the planet. And the baddest of the bad dudes are the ones that they sent to guard the tomb. And what happened when the angel of the Lord showed up and rolled the stone away? It tells us in the scriptures that all of the Roman guard fell down as if they were dead. So either they passed out or they were playing dead because they just saw him. Angels. Not unlike the angel that showed up in the cute Christmas story, the shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, this chubby little cherubim. Lo, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and they were sorely afraid, terrified at the presence of this angel. So an angel shows up to Mary. You get the picture now? It's a terrifying moment as a messenger of God shows up in all of his majesty and glory, a clear, just clear picture of the power of God displayed through a messenger angel, and the angel says, don't be afraid. And as if the angel himself wasn't terrifying enough, like what would have been twice as terrifying was the message that he gave her. Hey, I know you're not quite married yet, and you haven't done the yet, but you're pregnant, and it's the Son of God that is inside of you. And oh yeah, we haven't told Joseph yet, we're going to let you take the first stab at that. Can you imagine? Well, I'll tell you what, when, when, when Joseph found out 
when Mary and Joseph finally had the conversation, we actually get a record of this in Matthew chapter 1. This is how it went, all right? Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, you don't have to go there, just listen. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, all right, talking about sexually, before they came together, she was found to be with child. She was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, this is how he felt about it, being a just man unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. You ever know that about Joseph? Like, who's going to believe a story like that? His fiance comes up to him and says, hey, I've got great news. I'm pregnant with the Son of God. And I promise I haven't been unfaithful. I'm still a virgin. Like, I'm still waiting on you. But, like, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he's got to be thinking, you've lost your mind. Who's going to believe a story like that? And so he decided, you know what? That's the end of that. I don't know who crazy town is over here, but, like, we ain't together no more. I'm going to just kind of ease my way out of this, not to bring any shame upon her as best as I can, but I got to get out of this relationship. Well, if you keep reading, an angel of the Lord then shows up to Joseph and kind of clears up the mess. You can read about that again, Matthew chapter 1. He steps into the story and fixes it, thank God, so that Joseph had an understanding this truly was a miracle work of God. But, but think about this now. You're Mary. You are now indwelt. By the Son of God, it's, it's, a, it's an embryo, a fetus in your belly. An angel has spoken to your fiancé to clear up the confusion, but we have no record that the angel went around and talked to her mom and daddy or her friends or the community. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Mary in that moment? And with a whole lot that could go wrong and very little that could go right, with a situation like that, with a, being a young woman now impregnated by somebody that's not your fiance and you're saying it was God, her running a high risk of the possibility of being labeled as a prostitute in her community, being destined for poverty, and rejection, a, a likelihood of possibly being stoned to death, a high likelihood of being rejected by her own fiance, her family. There's a lot that could go wrong in a situation like this, and very little could go right. But did you catch Mary's response to the angel? As she's overwhelmed by the weight of emotion and possibility, she says to the angel, pay close attention, verse 38. Mary says, behold, listen up. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I wonder when's the last time that God stepped into our story and interrupted our regularly scheduled programming that we responded with, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Is that, is, is that, is that the last response that you had the last time? God intercepted your plans, interrupted what you thought was supposed to happen, pulled the rug out from under your regularly scheduled programming of life. Was, was that the response that you had? I'm just curious. 
I wonder what we can learn from Mary here about her trust in God. I wonder if maybe this is a statement that some of us need to just memorize in our life. For the next time God divinely interrupts, messes something up, rearranges our plans, changes up some things. I wonder if when the next time that happens, if we would be a people that would respond, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. God, I am yours. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Isn't that a beautiful picture of worship? Repeat after me, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Hey, y'all didn't do too good with that one, dang. Hopefully y'all at home got this figured out. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. You catch the picture? Look at the great act of faith and trust. Even though she didn't, probably didn't feel that way. She probably didn't understand all the nuances of what was happening, was going to happen. This was new news to her. She hadn't even had a chance to process it yet. And her response is right out of the gate. Her response is that of trusting God. And from there she goes to visit her aunt, who is also pregnant. You know what I expect to see when she walks in the front door of her aunt's house, who is also pregnant? I expect to see Mary throw herself on the floor, cry out terrified and fear and I can't believe this is happening like what is God doing I'm freaking out over here what what are we gonna do who's gonna believe me that's not what she does she shows up to her aunt's house and she actually starts freestyling a worship song I'm gonna sing it for you right now I can't really sing it for you because there's no chord progression in this song but I can read it to you I bet it was beautiful to the ears of God and this is what Mary says to God the Father in a time in her life where there were so many unknowns. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, verse 46, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on this humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations are gonna call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and he has exalted those of humble estate, just like Mary. And he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. I bet that was a beautiful song to the ears of the almighty God, the ancient of days. As he heard this act of great faith coming from Mary, even though she didn't know all the possible outcomes of what was about to happen. And so let me, this reveals to us one of the great secrets of the Christian life. One of the great mysteries of a walk with God. Like here's, here's revelation of it right here. Are you ready for this? This is really complex. You're probably gonna need to pull out a pen and write this down. We're gonna need to tease it out over the next six weeks probably. Like this is a really complicated principle that is one of the deepest secrets, one of the most profound secrets of 
our walk with God. And we learn it from Mary. You, you want to know what it is? Here we go. Finding the joy of God. Finding the joy of God happens when we trust in the plans of God. I'm going to let that marinate for just a second. If you're watching online or if you're listening to the podcast, like just take a minute and you reconcile that statement with your current state of affairs. Finding the joy of God happens when you trust in the plans of God. You take a minute and let that soak your bones for a sec. Folks, all Mary knew is what was about to happen. But she did not know what the results were going to be. This is an imperfect situation, wouldn't you say? I mean, who's going to believe her? Not to mention, how in the world are you going to be God's mom? It's the cries of God that's going to wake her up all throughout the night so that he can be nursed. It's God that she's going to take to his first day of school. It's God that she's going to have to clean up his bloody knees. It's God that's going to come home from school with a broken heart because his friends made fun of him. How are you supposed to be God's mom? And who would even believe you anyway? that it really was God in the flesh. This is an imperfect situation. And all the plans that she had for her life had just officially changed. And not once did God ask her permission. I wonder who of you are there right now. Let me say it to you again, finding the joy of God happens when you trust in the plans of God, even when you don't know what those plans are. It's a real thing. The joy of the Lord, that is your strength, it's a real thing. And by the way, this, this picture of Mary literally being pregnant with God, this picture, of, this picture of Mary at this point in her life is kind of an archetype, almost a foretelling of what we can expect as Christ's followers. Let me make sure that I make it clear for you. Even as an unborn baby, Jesus as a fetus, even as an unborn baby, Jesus in Mary could supply her the joy to sustain her. You catching the picture? She wasn't alone. She had Jesus in her. Yeah, you heard me right. Christ in Mary. Christ in Mary's womb was enough to fortify the joy in Mary's heart. She wasn't alone. That was God in her. He's even powerful as an embryo. He can't be stopped then either. And he was enough to supply her joy, even though there's no way to understand what was going on around her. And by the way, that wasn't just a promise or a gift to Mary. Christ in Mary being the supply of her joy, that wasn't just a gift to Mary, but that was a gift that got born through Mary. And that baby, that, that joy, it grew up, it grew up and became a man. 
A man that, by the way, went to the cross to pay the price that we couldn't pay and died the death that we all deserve. And put death to death when he breathed his first breath in that tomb. And he destroyed every joy-sucking thing that life would ever throw at us in that moment. In that moment, the gift was offered to whosoever would believe in him. That we don't have to be governed by our happenings and our circumstances around us. We don't have to ride the wave of our happiness as it comes and goes and it's up and down. But as a people of God, you're offered a greater gift. And that is the life of Jesus that is meant to dwell in you. And you can have a joy and a peace and a hope. All that surpasses all understanding. Because it comes from the Lord. It comes from within. You can't conjure up this joy on your own. You can't call it down. You can't fabricate it. You can't make it up. Joy comes to coming to a place in our lives where we find the joy of God because we trust in the words and work of God and his plans and his life that is within us. Jesus actually told this to his disciples. In John 15, he had just told them, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back to get you to be with me where I am. You can read in chapter 15 where he goes on to say, but hey, when I go away, I'm going to send a helper. Capital H, my Holy Spirit, is going to come be with you and he's going to dwell in you. John 15, read it for yourself. And he goes on to say, you won't be left as orphans. Because those of you that believe, you're going to see that I am in God and you are in me and I am in you, John 15. You see the gift of the gospel and the work of Jesus. This is why we can be reminded in the season of Advent, while you are in Advent in your life, that the joy of the Lord is yours in Christ. But the question is, are you Christ's? Have you committed and surrendered yourself to him and acknowledged that he is Lord and King and you just simply are not? That your ways and your strategies and your plans have left you wanting as they always have. And you are just an insufficient savior for yourself. But there is a sufficient savior and his name is Jesus. And he didn't just come to die to forgive your sins and promise that he'd be back one day. But he said, you know what, I'm going to come and dwell with you and in you while we wait in Advent for the Father to tell me to return to get my children. So you haven't been left alone. This gift of Jesus is made available to you, to whosoever will, whosoever would believe, whosoever would trust in him and call upon the name of the Lord as their Savior, trusting in the words and work of Jesus. I wonder if that's you today. Why don't you close your eyes for just a second? Let me ask the question very directly. Have you, have you ever, I'm not talking about did you just grow up in church? Have you been around church? That, doesn't, that don't matter. You could stand in your garage all day and still not be a car. But let me ask you, like, have you ever, is there a distinct moment in your life that you can recall acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and confessing from your mouth and from your heart that he is Lord, that he is God, that he died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead? Can, can you mark out a specific point in history where you've done that? Online folks too, I hope you're listening in. And if you have not yet, and you believe what the word of God has been telling you today, and the spirit of God has been gripping your heart this morning, then why not now? It'll change everything. The life of Christ coming to dwell within you. Yeah, life's still going to be complicated. 
It sure was for Mary, and she had God in her belly. But the thing is, you won't be alone. You have the life of Christ in you to supply a joy that could only come from him, a place to rest your hope, and be reminded simply and every day, be able to rest in the hope that the best is still yet to come. You ever trusted him as your Lord? I hope that you will this morning. Come find me. Let's talk about it. Find one of our pastors. You, you know what I look like, the ugliest one in the bunch. Come find me. We'll talk about it. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your kindness and your patience. I thank you for the gift of Jesus that was born as a baby but grew up to take away the sins of the world. I thank you for your patience with us and how you are calling out to us that we might confess you as Lord and be changed forever, God. Have your way in us. If there is anyone in here this morning, I know they're here all over the place and watching online. If there is anyone that has not yet confessed you as Lord, I pray that in the quietness of their heart right now that they would confess you as Lord of their life. Confess that they believe that you died on the cross for their sins to forgive them for all of their unrighteousness and that you were raised from the dead and in doing so conquered death so that they could be made alive in you. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the unspeakable joy that is ours in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.